Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm speaking to you from West Orange, New Jersey, and today's lovely guest, Melissa Lyons, is coming to us from Ontario, Canada. I have absolutely no doubt that this interview with Melissa is going to be a delight. Her mission is to share the joy and freedom that is created when we live in the moment and consciously choose our thoughts and reactions, and her passion is to help us cultivate a comforting and healing mindset that allows us to get the most out of our experiences. Both are reflected in Melissa's unique and wise children's book that is filled with encouraging words to help a child cope with loss. It is titled, I Will Always Love You. I truly love the simple, profound quote on its back cover that says, be the one who shares the light that was mine. Honor me now by letting yours shine. Melissa has also written a wise book about pet loss called Until We Meet Again. I'm looking forward to talking with Melissa about her book, I Will Always Love You, and much more. But can I just say that before this interview, I made sure to get I Will Always Love You reviewed by two of my most trusted authorities on children's books, my two seven-year-old grandsons, and they gave it a thumbs up. So before we begin this sure to be heartwarming interview, I need to take a quick minute to show some love to our sponsors. Stay tuned. Melissa, what a pleasure to welcome you to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Let's begin our interview with this question. What was your life like before you became an author of these special children's books? Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor, and I, I just want to tell you how much it warms my heart to be here. My life before I wrote these books, um, it was entirely different. Um, I was in a transition period right up for about 30 months before the actual book happened to me or through me. But I would say I was in a life of searching, searching for something that I didn't know what it was, but something that was missing in me in my life that on the outside seemed so fulfilled and so perfect, but that didn't feel that way on the inside. Wow. Were you working? Did you have did you have a career, or were you uh, or or you're married? You have kids? The whole shebang? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have two wonderful um, adult young adult women. Now they're twenty three and twenty five. You don't look like you have a twenty five year old. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, no, you know, I, my life was like I think I I went through life like like you're supposed to, and that's a quote unquote thing. Went to school, went to university you know, got married, had a job, got married, picked up a mortgage, had a couple of children, followed my career. And I always found myself feeling professionally, especially unfulfilled, but also 
deep inside my heart, like um, there was this, there was this inner torment and, and the messaging and talking and self-talk and all of those things that some people live with, that, that haunted me, but it was very private, very personal, and very few people in the world ever knew about it. I look, looking back now, it was because I wasn't on my path. I wasn't following my purpose. And so I wasn't doing, doing the things that gave me passion in my life. And I don't mean in my personal life with my family. I mean, honoring my heart and my journey. Right. So yes, I'd had many years in the corporate world, um, had success along the way. Success again, as in ticking off the boxes. And so finally in 2014, I sold a business that I had built from the ground up. And, you know, again, all the boxes were ticked off. And my, my husband turned to me one day and he said to me, are you ever going to be happy? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for the question. It was like a slap across the face. Um, it was, but it wasn't intended to, well, maybe it was intended to be, but you know what I mean? Like it was, it was such an important question because my answer to him was very honest. I have no idea. Wow. And then know. you had a miracle. I did. And then you had, then you had a miracle and, and that changed your life because it inspired you to write your first book, right? Yeah, it did. So, you know, after you asked me that question, I decided, we decided that I was going to take at least three months off and try to just connect to something that would make me feel not so broken inside, figure out what it was that was missing. And you know what I did? I had an MBA kind of approach to it. I mean, I just, I, I thought I'm going to take three months. I'm going to read. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to journal. You know, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do all of these things. And of course, at the end of those three months, I was further away from anything I was looking for because I was trying to force that which must be surrendered to, right? Right. And then, so then I agree, we agreed again that I would keep going. And I picked up different things. Like I did some consulting work and some odd jobs in there, but I didn't commit to a career or to any kind of life calling until it touched my heartstring. And so nothing like that happened in 30 months, pretty much to the time that I sold my business, I was sitting journaling therapeutically and the words to, I will always love you found their way into my journal to this day. I don't know how. Perfectly written, perfectly rhymed, no mistakes. Were you conscious while you were writing it? Or was it more like automatic writing? It was just coming through and it was just spilling out onto the paper? Well, I was conscious because I was sitting there waiting for my husband and I was having a cup of tea and eating a chocolate and banana crepe. And, you know, I knew that I was sounds like that, that sounds like that. that if you're going to channel ecstasy, that sounds pretty close. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, you know, so I knew I was writing, but here's how I never thought I wasn't in touch with my own creativity. Why? I know now I didn't know then, but I couldn't be creative because I was so critical and hard on myself. And so worried about the judgment of others, which of course stemmed from my own judgment of myself, that I couldn't even write. So this is how I journaled. So that day in particular, I was probably writing this. Um, tea, crepe, water, boat, sky, wind, sand. And I just would write words that came into my mind until I forgot I was writing. And some days I would write things that made me upset. Sometimes I would write things that made me happy. On that particular day, I don't remember any specific focus all I know is that when I, when I looked down and I, and I saw the words, I thought, well, this is interesting. And then when I read them, then it really started to happen. Wow. wow. And, you, and you read them and, and they actually were the words for a children's book. Like you really 
or you decided that they would be the words for a children's book? What was yeah, that you know, journey like? You're the first person to say it to me like that. Um, yeah, you're right. I decided they, well, first of all, I didn't know why they were there. And, and when I read them, I didn't know what they meant. And I couldn't read them for months to another human being out loud without bursting into tears and sweating and having this physical response in my body. And, you know, it only takes about three minutes to read them out loud to someone. And when my husband, he was in the water taking a, a scuba diving lesson, when he came out, I, he said, you look like something happened to you. What, what happened? And I said, I think I just wrote a book. And he kind of rolled his eyes and thought, here we go. Because I like on this <laughs> journey of self-discovery, you know? But when I, I said, can I read them to you? And he's kind of like, sure. And I couldn't. I couldn't say the words. And I, I don't know why. I was just like this. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't read the words. Wow. It was even now I have chills as I'm saying it to you. And so at first, the words scared me because I thought, are these a premonition of something that's going to happen to my family or my children? Or why? Why am I writing about something that I don't know anything about or have no experience with? And then eventually the journey took you to where you started to create the book. Yeah, I started to create the book right away. And I did make it, I did believe it was a book for children. And I believed it was about grief and loss. It wasn't long till I understood that it was for grief and loss and it was about hope and love. Um, but then, you know, we'll get to this probably later in the conversation. But 18 months after that, I, I had another really life altering miraculous experience where I really started to spiral downward and it was like a, a slippery slope one morning and I did a really long meditation and it was again like this whole thing happened to me where like I was like, like sweating and like I, I was having this like like a physical response to what I was feeling and I realized then the words to I will always love you was just a letter from one part of me to another part of me oh. telling me that it was okay to leave the life that I've been living for 50 years and step into the life that I was meant to live. Wow. And to be able to do that grieving, that person that I'd become and I'd taken care of for all those years and step into that person that was sitting waiting for me wow. to, to, to embrace. And I know you've had a similar experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I'm just writing that down because I want to remember this. I was okay to live the life I was living for 50 years and step into the person I was waiting to be. It was just there waiting That's for That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me, let's start with your, your book about pets, because there's so many people in our listening audience who have pets and are so upset when they lose a pet. Can you talk about until we meet again from grief to hope after losing a pet? Yeah, I would love to. So I said to you earlier today that I wrote this book about grief and loss, and I hadn't, like, as a family of our little family of four, my two daughters, my husband and I hadn't had any traumatic experience with loss. But it wasn't until now, this is like years later, that I realized as I was being doing interviews for I Will Always Love You, we would start talking. And then more often than not, very early in the conversation, people would start talking about pets that they'd lost. Like interviewers would say to me, well, I remember when I was 19 that I, I lost my dog. And, and people were talking about this unhealed wounds and, and things that they're carrying around all these years later, because we don't take the times often to really grieve and celebrate the life of our animal the way we do with humans. And so that's just sort of this, this, little, this little part of us just waiting for someone to heal at any age in our life. And I remember one gentleman was in his seventies and that's what he wanted to talk about was the a dog that he lost when he was 19. Oh, wow. 
so yeah so so the books are really um interwoven with with the law of attraction and all of those things about positive thought and what you what you're thinking of is what you're bringing into your life so i will always love or sorry until we meet again is helping people in with the words of their pet that's no longer here their pet saying to them and their voices thank you. And this is what our relationship meant. And the pet's given the owner permission to love again, the permission to remember the beauty of the relationships. Like I remember one of my favorite, there's two favorite pages for me. And one of the, one of the lines is the pet says to the owner, I taught you things as you watched me live unconditional love and to always forgive. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And then my other second favorite one is allow your mind time Sorry, allow your mind time to unwind and to heal. Three, allow your mind time to unwind, to unwind and be free. Be as kind to yourself as you were to me. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow. And so now, having talked about that, what prompted you to write I Will Always Love You? And tell us about its primary messages and how does it help a child begin to heal? Well, I was, I will always love you was the first, it came first. And it was that one that was the miracle that came in my journal that day when I was um, sitting just randomly writing. And I think the way that it helps a child heal a few different ways. First of all, when the child is being read the book by the parent, the healing takes place in the parent because, you know, we we're all children at heart and we all have that inner child. So as the parents reading it to the child, they're healing and they're being comforted and they're, that gives them so much more um, capacity to help the child through the healing process. That's the first way. And then the second way is that the book gives everybody permission to find joy, to follow their dreams, to shine the light. Like it's almost like, it's almost like your responsibility of being sad because we feel like when someone dies, we are sad, but we also feel like we should be sad. And if we're not sad, there might be something wrong with us. You know what I mean? Just yeah. that's a real gentle way of saying, and it's, it's not for everybody, but so the book kind of says like, Hey, you can also be super happy and show me life through your eyes now, because I'm gone, shine my light, make yours brighter with my light. And so now they have a responsibility to find a way to be happier, to create joy. And that creates healing. We know. That's beautiful. Uh, you have a heartwarming story about how I will always love you helped a grieving 12 year old girl. Can you share yeah. that with us? Mm, I think our I, listeners will be very touched by that. Yeah. Well, you know, you I'm, I'm sure you remember when you were writing your book and you were like, you, you wonder who am I to be writing this book or who am I to be doing this? And, and the answer that comes back when you really get quiet, listen is, who are you not to be? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so one day I, I received a message from a stranger and it was a woman telling me that she'd purchased my book because her 12 year old daughter's best friend had just lost her mother to cancer. And she wanted me to know that after all of people had gone home from the funeral home that night, the young girl grabbed a chair and pulled it up beside her mom's casket. And she sat down with her and read her the story. I will always love you. And, um, that to me was who, yeah, it's like, what it a just, blessing. Wow, wow, wow. yeah, it just made me feel like that's, if we all just shine someone else's light and our light a little bit brighter, you know, it's like at a concert when everybody starts to turn on their light, right. that's us sharing hope and love and comfort and joy one person at a time. That's absolutely true. And that's what we are both doing so much. So 
Tell me about your specialty, thought nutrition, and how deliberate thinking can nourish our souls. Well, thought nutrition came from me wondering, what are my messages about? Because, you know, I didn't know what to do for the first few years. Here I am doing all these interviews about grief and loss and not really having any, any real, like, bricks and mortar reason to be there. And so it's like, what am I about? And it came to me, the idea of an apple a day helps keep the doctor away, right? And we know this, we say this to children, we had this growing up because we know that if we eat good food and we nourish our bodies, that hopefully we'll be healthier and we won't need the doctor in terms of a little lesson. And so thought nutrition is the same way. You know, we don't only eat apples in our life. We eat a little bit of junk food, a little bit of stuff that might not be good for us. But for the most part, we eat a nourishing diet because we want to be healthy. So we need to have nourish thoughts that nourish our soul as a predominant thoughts. We need to have recipes that help us um, recreate guilt into joy, recreate shame and blame into happiness, to take anger and frustration and find the lesson in the, the blessing in the lesson. So thought nutrition is my way of, of helping people realize that we need to nourish our souls, starting with the way we're thinking, because that's what we're attracting more of. You know, it's very true. I think that people don't realize that. I think when people, certain thoughts come to people, they buy whatever is coming. They don't realize that they can change that thought. Like, okay, you're going there. I don't necessarily have to go there. I, I can choose to handle yes. things in a different way. I can choose to express things in a different way. Absolutely. And that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from your book. <laughs> you're, you're talking, you talk, it's when you were seeing Leslie Lynn and um, she said, or you said, anything that I can give you by way of guidance is only potential. Everyone always has a choice. Right. And I think we talk about, we, we count our exercise, we count our steps, we watch our calories, we, we're careful about what we put in our mouth, but we take for granted that which what lives that which lives in our head. And we have to be aware that, well, when I talk to kids, this is what I say to them. When you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. <laughs> because when you feel yucky, that's your internal messaging system telling you that you, you're holding a thought that doesn't really nourish your soul and so that beautiful yucky feeling is telling you hey it's time to look at that thought and figure out what we need to do with it what we can replace it with how we can heal it how can we change how we're looking about it or how we perceive this this response we're having so that yucky is a, is so lucky that's beautiful i love <laughs> i love the way you say it. that's wonderful well that's you know you know, I'm going to take, take that with my grandchildren. That's well, good because, you know, I think everybody's been sick once on Halloween candy or eating too much dessert right. in their life or, or, or drinking too much of a certain beverage. And, you know, we get that physical response and we're like, oh, I'm probably not going to do that again or not for a long time. But when we have thoughts that actually make us so yucky that we get sick, we don't realize that we have a choice. Right. Just like we choose what we put in our mouth. We have a choice what we what we grow in our mind, you know, a, a line in the, um, a line in I will always love you is your mind is a garden that grows flowers and weeds and one who chooses good thoughts always succeeds. Right. Cause you can't have light and darkness in the same spot. One's going to overtake the other. And so your mind and your thoughts are just like that. Absolutely. And, and, and it really does affect you as to how you're processing things. 
um, and handling things. Absolutely. So I, you said something about releasing feelings of guilt. And I think that is an issue a lot of people have because they have this illusion that their life is supposed to be perfect and that, you know, if they do something, they judge themselves and all of that and they feel guilty about it. And that's a big one. How, how, so how do you tell us why we should all release these feelings and how to do that? Okay, so this is a lesson I learned from my own children, actually. I remember as I was on my journey of healing and growing, I remember every time that they would start to feel guilty or angry or whatever, I would tell them, think something else. Let, let that thought go, think something else. And I don't remember which one of them said it. They probably both did, but they said, you know what, mom, that's not right. We're supposed to be able to feel what we're feeling. And I thought, you're right. But as we're feeling what we're feeling, we need to figure out what's causing that and then work on the root of that so that it can release. So it's, so it's not as simple as just releasing it. It's like, figure out what the message is in that feeling. Where is it coming from? And then as you really, then you can release holding on to the feeling because now you've got the message. So the feeling of guilt comes to us because there is something that's trying to get our attention. So it's not to be just released. And I think that's where we kind of get tripped up sometimes. And people say, well, I can't just release it. And you know what? They're right. You can't just release it, but you can choose that you're going to figure out what the message is so that then you can actually like let it flow through you. Because you know that, you know, there's so many little less like little word things that we hear that are so true, like what we resist persists. It's so true. So don't resist it. Allow it. Hear it. And then say, thank you. I don't need you anymore because I now learned what you had right. to bring me. Or... Right. And I'm moving on and I'm moving on from that negativity or for and a lot of times people have uh, negative thoughts because that's what they've been taught also. And they don't even realize that they can choose to separate out from that which they were taught that doesn't really work for them anymore. Because as we get older and we mature and we change and different changes and circumstances happen, some people cling to what was. And I think a very strong message in everything you're saying and what you're doing is about letting go of what was and that you can um, reconfigure. Uh, your, how, you, how you handle things, how you think about things, uh, which leads to a better life in so many ways. Yeah. And, you know, in gratitude, I know we talk about gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And you know what? It's because in appreciation, it is important. And the beauty of that is to actually be able to look at that feeling of guilt or whatever it was. And you might have carried it for 50 years or 30 years, however long, and look at it and say, thank you. I understand that you've been in my life because there was something I was supposed to be hearing or listening to or facing. So thank you for that. And then there's where the gratitude comes in. Thank you for the opportunity to see that I don't need you anymore, but you had to be here. I had, I had a really cool exchange with someone this week because there are people in my life who say life sucks because, you know, you get older, you're older, and, and everybody around you starts to die, and this happens, and that happens, your, your, your health fails, and you've heard that before, right? Of course. And so, and you know, you get wrinkly, and things that used to be not saggy are saggy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, true, I wouldn't, true. Yeah, I wouldn't trade um, anything for like the peace that I feel every single day more than I felt the day before as I mature and as I step into this 
figuring out how to be present and how to just be happy, I'll let all the rest of that come. Like aging is great because with aging comes this sense of happiness that I never knew existed. I have to say to you that I, I agree with you because I, I, I'm living in a mid-rise building where there are a lot of aging people here. And you can really see who is very negative and pessimistic and just saying, okay, I'm going to die and I feel lousy and life is lousy. And you see other people who have a lift in their step. They're also getting older, but they're involved in things and they're, they're grateful and they're busy and they're, and I mean, I, I have to say I'm one of them. I've been through so much in my life and I'm so grateful for everything. I also wouldn't change anything. And I know one day my grandchildren will read your book and, and I, they will know I'm on the other side. But, but, you know, it, but I will, for me, I will feel, well, I had a life well lived and, and I helped a lot of people and uh, I was a positive role model in a lot of ways. And I think you are too, you know, and that's so important for people to see a different way of being and not just accept like, okay, age is deterioration and bye, bye, you know, yeah. you know, um, I know you do online courses and I would bet you from this conversation that some people are saying, trying to think, hmm, maybe I want to do an online course with Melissa. So tell us about your one-on-one -on -one coaching and your courses. And I know your coaching facilitates choice and life, which we're sort of talking about now. So Tell everyone why they want to go take your course and do some coaching with you. Well, I think the most important thing is when we get to that point in our life where we know that there's some other way that we want to feel when triggers hit us or when we wake up or when we go to bed and my courses and my coaching, all of that helps. I, I facilitate your own journey. I, someone said to me recently, if like someone said, just tell me the answer. And, and, and the coach said to the person, if I tell the answer, I'll take away your epiphany. And I think that that's the biggest part of what I want to do. And what I do do with people is like guide them through the, the lessons, the, the self, the self-discovery so that we can find, we need to find our own past because we have our own, again, another line from the book, you have all the answers. We, we have all the answers inside. We just need to turn into our heart and let it be our guide. And so I help people connect with their heart, get out of their head and figure out what it is that's calling them. What is their path? What are their passions? And most importantly, what is our purpose? Because, you know, you talked about the people I read in your building. Anybody, I think, who is on that, on that side of feeling not good about their lives or not happy, it's just because they've woken up without a purpose that day. Like we don't need a purpose to change the world. We just need a purpose on how we want to feel when we go to bed that night. And that will be enough to guide us through the day. How about waking days. up and just being grateful for being alive and having people in your life? And, you know, it doesn't have to be a lofty purpose. But do people come to you, Melissa, and say, Melissa, I don't got no clue about what I want to do. And can you help me figure that out? Yeah, absolutely. And I think about myself um, when I started this journey, I, Right after my husband said that to me, one of the first things I did was um, start to work with a spiritual counselor. And I walked in and, my, and she said, you know, hello, Melissa, what brings you here today? And I said, Are you, Catherine, I'm here because I have no idea who I am. And if I don't know who I am, if I, goodness knows my children, my husband, my parents, no one knows who I am. So I'd lost myself in the middle of living. And wow. 
and I really, like, I didn't know if I would ever be happy because I didn't know it would be happy. You know, one of the worst things, and you go through times you might be applying for jobs or people asking like, define success. What do you think success is? And I, I always thought, I hope one day someone tells me the answer so that I can write it down. So I'll always be able to say what success will mean to me because I didn't know. And you know, one day I got asked that question on an interview not long ago, and it just came out of my mouth. I'm like, I define success now that if I'm happy one or two or three more minutes today than I was yesterday, just happy, like joy, happy. And that's an exponential growth thing. That's success because it means whatever I'm doing is fueling my purpose. That's right. And the rest doesn't matter. That's right. I, I couldn't agree more. So that's so, what I can do with people. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'll bet a lot of people would be very motivated and 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 uh, really enjoy. It's. I think you know. You're. Do you do them all online now with what's going on with COVID and all? Is everything online? Yeah. Right now, everything's online. But as soon as we're opening up, we'll have um, like retreats where we can meet in person and do it through a group. And you know, it's it's open and evolving because different people need different things. So. Um, yeah, that's what we can do. But right now, probably the one that would be most suited to, to our listeners today would be a path to healing after heartbreak and loss. And in that, it's sort of a 10-part or a 10-day um, course where people just go through that journey about just, just digging into what is it that's really keeping them sad or, or stopping them from feeling more joy. And obviously, it's about the loss, but sort of peeling back the layers to see how, how can we shine that person's light. And tell me about, you had a woman who took that course and she was absolutely transformed and you learned a tremendous lesson from her experience. Tell, share that with us. Yeah, it goes back to what I said to you at the beginning, like, who am I to be writing a course about about something that at this point, but I, so I didn't, I had it available for a long time and I wasn't really promoting it, even though it was done and on my website. And I was talking to her and she told me, she said, and I didn't know her, I'd met her at a hospice event. And she said to me, you know, Melissa, there were two things. I, I've been grieving for two years, losing my husband. And she said, there were two things that, that took me like through it. And one was, and she said what it was. And the second one was your course. Oh, wow. She said, after that course, I realized that I could live and be joyous and move on with my life and still have a peace within my heart that he was allowed to stay with me on my journey. Absolutely. I didn't have to let him go, but I had to just feel him differently and put a different spot for him. And I don't know. And that's when it that's when it became who am I not to put this out there, but I was afraid. Well, I think you and I gotta be soul sisters in some way because your book and what you're doing is very in line with what this podcast is all about also. To 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 bring this to people that they have different choices and that it's okay. You can be happy again too. Um I am sure from talking with you that you have a tremendous message about the importance of healing to share with our audience. Yes, yeah. I mean, Feeling why so should they go out of their way instead of staying in their funk? Why should they go out of their way to heal in this lifetime, you know? Well, here's the thing, you know, why not? Like, why, why not? You get, I, I read, I spoke with a lady yesterday and she told me about a loss that she'd experienced in her life. And she said, you know, I sat down and in the middle of my tears, she said, I've got like five more minutes in this life, five more minutes. When I look at my whole life to figure out what it is that I can do to make this world a better place, you know, like, 
so much of my life has passed and I want to make sure the rest of my life is filled with something that makes me feel good, not something that's draining me or, or weighing me down. And so, yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? And, and why not find people who speak to you and work with them if you don't have all the answers within yourself? Right? To, to go talk with, go take a course from Melissa, go um, check out interviews on Grief and Rebirth podcast, go figure out what you want to do to um, change your perspective. It's, it's true. And, and it's going to take effort, you know, like, it's like people say, well, I already did a course and, and it, I felt good for a while and it went away. Well, if you're training for a marathon, you spend all of those weeks training for all those miles you're going to run. And then you keep running if you want to do more marathons. If you stop running, you can't just do a marathon again without that training. Our mental muscle, our, our reactionary tendencies, our habits, our, our, our things that we, those, those things that aren't serving us will be there. We have to keep working on feeling better, you know, raising our own vibration, doing all those things. And if you don't want to do the work, that's okay. That's okay. Cause it's all up to us, our own path, our own journey, but we're sent here for a purpose. And I don't think a single one of us on this planet is here for a purpose other than to create more joy in their own life. Absolutely. That's simple. Absolutely. That, that You're absolutely right. And learn lessons and to, um, to, to live absolutely and enjoy. Melissa, everyone now wants to connect with you. So, so tell us how they can connect with you and do you have any extra special perks? And your books are on Amazon, I assume. They are. Yes, they're on Amazon. And in, if, they're, if you don't like to shop online, just go into your local bookstore and they're available. There's a distributor that will get them to that bookstore. Um, and my website is Melissa hyphen or dash lions.com. L-Y-O-N-S. Yes. Uh, and you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, Melissa Lyons author is my, my Facebook page. And I have a Facebook group called creating more joy uh, because that's, that's what I think that that's, that's my calling to help people figure out how they find their path to more joy. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, do you have a tip for finding joy in life? Yeah. Make the choice. Make the choice that, that there's room for more joy in your life. And, and just that decision alone will start to open up pathways, whether it be a podcast or a book or a course or a new friend in your life or somebody, what you look for, you're going to find. We know that, right? Yeah. You see a yellow car one day and then all of a sudden you think about yellow cars and they're everywhere, but that's just because you're paying attention. So if you want to create more joy in your life, choose to create more joy and look for it. And then it will just grow like a garden full of wildflowers. That's beautiful. You are a delight. You truly are a delight, Melissa. I'm so glad to have had you on, to have you on this podcast. I'm, I, I, I think you're terrific. Your books are simple, thought provoking and deeply moving. And they only take minutes to read but I know they last a lifetime in a heart. And I resonate with your statement that you're on a journey to seek, understand, and embrace your life's purpose because I deeply believe that Grief and Rebirth podcast is my own life's purpose. We too are surely very blessed to be bringing healing choices to so many. And it's really wonderful to get to know you. And by the way, here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irieweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us 
on social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.